Welcome to the first episode of Musings on Life and Medicine podcast. My name is Andrew. I'm founder of MedGeeks, and this is officially the first podcast that we're making for this new uh, Substack channel, Musings on Life and Medicine. Now, if you're listening to this on um, you know, a different podcast application like Apple or Spotify, then what you should know is what we're doing with the first few episodes is creating the audio version of the written publication, the written um, articles, if you will, that I'm publishing over on Substack. And so for those of you who don't like to read, <laughs> you always have the option to listen. We're also going to be doing some original podcast topics that um, won't be in the written format as well. But we're going to be doing both. Uh, this is my first time really experimenting with Substack. So we might change things as we go along the way. Um, the cool thing about Substack is you can listen to this on as a podcast. You can also have the Substack application open. And if you want to start reading through an article or maybe even listen while you read an article, uh, there's a little headphone icon at the very top right that you can click. And this will actually read the article for you as you have the article open. So it's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty neat the way Substack has this set up. So today what we're going to be doing is I'm recording the audio version for uh, an article that I wrote back in June of 2022 titled My First Father's Day. My daughter Chloe was born September 2021, making her nine months old. Man, how time flies. So today marks my first official Father's Day. She's already taught me so much, including one massive lesson on gratitude. When Chloe was about five months old, we noticed intermittent blood tinge stool and nosebleeds. We went to our pediatrician who attributed these findings to having dry air, right? So we had the nosebleeds and anal fissures, which led to the blood tinge stool. Fast forward a couple of weeks and I start to notice a petechial rash and a few oral lesions. So we messaged the pediatrician to get a CBC. We were able to get an appointment in the early afternoon, and at about 7 p.m., he calls me, telling me to head to the emergency department because her platelet count was 17,000. Now, just as an aside, um, I don't have this in the publication, but you know, even as I'm reading this out loud, um, I can still remember the emotion that my wife and I felt for the first time. It's something completely different being on the other side being a patient than it is, you know, being a clinician or a provider. It's very easy to say you need to go to the hospital because your platelet count is low and then move on to the next patient. It's a different thing to feel it all together when it's your child. And so it was it was a little bit of a scary moment for myself. Um, and then also seeing my wife and the emotions she was going through and the uncertainty of it all. And so anyway, just a little aside there. So off we went to the nearest pediatric hospital as we would also need to get admitted. Another CBC was drawn in the emergency department and her platelets dropped further to 7,000. So up to Hemonc we went for IVIG. Now for those of you who are unfamiliar with IVIG, the, you know, I put that it's a 14-hour infusion. The first infusion is 14 hours as they need to as they need to do this slowly to decrease the chances of having a reaction. But for a six-month-old, that's a lot. She was a trooper and honestly smiled the entire time. So a complete workup was done, and subsequently she was diagnosed with ITP, immune thrombocytopenia. And it turns out that she's their youngest patient diagnosed with ITP. This also means there isn't a lot of information out there for someone her age. Believe me, I looked. 
The day after the IVIG was given, her platelets shot up to 41,000, which was a win for us. IVIG and steroids are considered first-line treatments for ITP, but it's important to note that this only increases the platelets. It doesn't stop the autoimmune destruction from occurring, and it's temporary. So about three weeks later, her platelets tanked again. IVIG is a band-aid. There's no cure for ITP, and no one really knows why it happens. And so for the last couple of months, she's had a baseline count of 2,000. Now, we opted for observation due to her age. She has low-risk trauma. At the time, she's six months old. And so, you know, the, the, the chance that she's walking and, and falling low as she doesn't walk, she's not riding a bicycle. So risk is low. And also, the nature of a 14-hour infusion was pretty taxing on her body. The other factor that played into this decision was the fact that she has a high immature platelet fraction. Now, this houses her bone marrow is churning out a lot of platelets to compensate for the destruction that occurs once the platelets mature. These immature platelets also provide some protection against bleeding. And we can also infer that she has a functioning bone marrow, which honestly helps rule out the fact that she could have leukemia. Now, this is a prime example on how real life differs from the exam. On the exam, everybody who's under 20,000 requires treatment. But for us, that wasn't the case. We observed, even though she had a platelet count of 2,000. Now, just an, a side note here, another difficult decision for us that does differ from the exams was when we noticed wet purpura for the first time. Because we caught this after hours, I reached out to Dr. San Paul, who is the host of our MedGeeks uh, clinical medicine podcast, and he reached out to his pediatric colleagues. We all agreed that we should head to the emergency department as this could possibly mean impending spontaneous bleeding. Again, there's not a lot of literature f for this age group. And so long story short, after going to the hospital, the emergency department, and then speaking to the on-call hematologist, we left the emergency department and went back home to observe our baby girl. She's had a wet purpura come and go for the last couple of months, and much love to Dr. San Paul. Just as a reminder, this was written in June. So when I say last couple of months, um, you know, I mean May, June. We are now three months into the disease at the time of this writing. She had a bone marrow biopsy done about four days back, so we can start her on a short course of steroids. Now, this biopsy required general anesthesia, which for us was a first. And I actually held her as they pushed the propofol. This was very trippy for myself. I saw her eyes roll back and her body go limp. Just as an aside, again, not on the publication itself, but again, it's such a different feeling being on this side of things when, you know, you're the father and you, you actually have so much invested into the patient, more so than any clinician would ever, could ever have invested. And so just seeing a lifeless body fall back was, for me, not the first time I've seen it, but first time I've seen it with somebody I love this much and... Uh, I can't to this day put it into words, um, but very, very, very trippy to say the least. She's becoming a lot more active, so our tolerance level for observation is decreasing. This is why we opted to start her on a short course of steroids, but because of her age, we don't want to begin steroids without the bone marrow biopsy first. This could mask a possible leukemia, although it's doubtful due to the high immature platelet fraction. So right now, we're currently waiting for those results as we speak. And we should hopefully get the results and prescription tomorrow.
But I want to backtrack to when Chloe was admitted three months ago for her IVIG infusion. As I said, we were placed in the Hemonk ward and we spent a couple of days at the hospital. But during the first morning, I was going to leave the hospital to get breakfast for Liz, my wife, and myself. Now, as I walk towards the elevator, I notice a room with glass walls that was a dedicated playroom. This room had video games, board games, everything. And it turns out that this playroom was for children undergoing chemotherapy. As I saw the children playing, I felt an immense feeling of gratitude fall over me. It was a reminder that things could always be worse. In fact, things are worse for many others. It's been three months and I still think about that room and how we were only a few doors away. Chloe has taught me so much in these few months and I plan to spend the rest of my life repaying her for all these life lessons. I hope this reminds you of everything that you have to be grateful for and I hope you all learned a little something about ITP today. Happy Father's Day to all of my fellow fathers. And so this will wrap up our first podcast episode. Again, this is a reading um, for an article I published on Substack titled My First Father's Day, June 19, 2022.